0: We're going to go back to uh, discipleship lessons. We completed our lessons on the core values of the apostolic church. And so we completed our lessons on the core value of the apostolic church. We're going to move into uh, some time we're going to spend with discipleship project. Hopefully you've received one of the uh, workbooks and hopefully you'll take the workbooks home and pick things out of each lesson. Maybe things that we may not have covered tonight or some of the upcoming nights and you want to go through them in your private time. This is going to help you. Um, I try my best to make sure In this church, we are biblically educated. Very important to be biblically educated, but it must be mixed with faith. The Bible says we must receive the word of God mixed with faith. Because when we read the word, when we hear the word, if it's not mixed with faith, then we won't do what the word says. But when we hear the word and we and we mix it with faith, it, it's mixed with faith. Then we will begin to see the revelation. The the we'll begin to see the manifestation is probably a better word of the word of God. And so, I'm unsettled these days. I I I I think I prayed this prayer that I want a divine discomfort. And so maybe that's what's happening to me. I prayed it and the Lord granted it because I'm just challenged uh, spiritually in where I am. And uh, I want more to be so much more consumed by the things of God and commit more of my time to god i I really want to commit more of my time to god and i'm battling that these days but i really do want to do that amen because whatever i feel like i'm not accomplishing in god that i believe the lord want me to accomplish it's it's my fault it's it's just i haven't given god what i need to give him for him to do what he needs to do so I don't know for sure if I'm not accomplishing what God said I need to accomplish, but I always challenge myself that way. And I'm stirred that way these days that I feel like there's more that I need to accomplish in the Lord. And the only way that gets done is how much more I submit myself to him. God don't need my ability because he gave me the ability to begin with. So he just needs me to submit myself to him. Uh, For the next three lessons, we're going to talk about the authority of God's word, the authority of God's word. In tonight's lesson specifically, we'll deal with the inspiration of God's word, the inspiration of God's word. I'm probably going to be a little bit different tonight in my presentation of the word of God, um, because we have a vast, a vast amount of information that we want to condense down so you can receive and understand. Um, Our our scripture is taken from 2 Timothy tonight, 2 Timothy 3.16. Some of you are familiar with 2 Timothy 3.16. The word of the Lord says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And so we'll deal with those terms, this specific scripture in a little bit. But I'm going to kind of begin to talk to you about the word of God and how the word of God was handled way back in the day by the prophets how the Word of God was handled back in the day by the prophets. We tend to think of biblical prophets as forecasters, proclaiming what will happen in the future. But prophecy of the prophets were secondary toward the future. So, (laughs) this is pretty interesting to me. As I studied and and went over our lesson, I'm not a big uh, prophecy guy. It's the word of God like anything else. But I've never been a big prophecy guy because I believe that uh, if you just do what God say to do, then his word will accomplish what it's supposed to accomplish. And whatever the word of God said will happen in the future. That will take care of itself. So you'll have people that get interested in when will God return. When will God return. Things like that. And so we've had prophets in the Bible that kind of gave us uh, timelines. That kind of gave us events that will take place for us to know uh, the time frame of when the Lord will return. Now, no one knows exactly when, but we have timelines. We have uh, events and occurrences to watch and see as they happen to say, okay, we know the return of the Lord Jesus is at hand. And so I never really worried about that too much. I just feel like, hey, if you just do what the Word of God says and you serve God every day and faithful to Him, then all of it will take care of itself. And so tonight what I'm trying to tell you is prophecy. When, when the prophets prophesy, the prophecy which is telling the future is secondary. That's the secondary message they, they're trying to get out to you. Really, the, the first message that they're trying to get out to you is the immediate situation. The immediate situation. So a lot of times we're worried about the future and God is saying, what about right now? We're worried about the future and God is saying, what about right now? And so for many of us when we go through scripture and it, and we're looking at the future we're trying to put our mind there well these things will happen and really what God is saying is why don't you just worry about right now <laughs> you might almost say the prophet's job was to help the people understand the present in light of God's future decrees so the prophet's The prophets were being used to prophesy the future, but really so people would understand the present, the importance of the present. We'll get into that some more. In other words, the prophet's primary reason for bringing up the future was merely to help the people adjust, reform, Repent and remain faithful in the present. So the prophet is prophesying about the future to get your attention on the present. But unfortunately for, for many of us, when we think prophecy, we think future and we ignore the present. God wants us to be concerned about the right now. God wants us to be concerned about the present more than we're worried about the future. Every time something begins to happen that, that 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 kind of reminds us of future, prophecy, all of a sudden now we start worrying about the future and forget about the present. Our generation are, we're so more concerned about the future than we are the present. And so we're skipping over present things because we're so focused on future things. And one thing we got to understand about that is by ignoring the present, you're setting yourself up for the future. And might be the wrong future. And so we have to get back to focusing on the present. The future will take care of itself if we do what God says. Because what God says will come to pass. Whether good or bad. If Israel was cozy enough. With the rulers of other nations and taking a casual attitude toward foreign religious cults. The prophets was summoned to proclaim where this would lead. So think about this. A nation of God. A people of God. A Christian person. God, if he sees you. What's the word we used the other day? Fellowship in With people that don't believe the way you believe. He will send his prophet to prophesy to you. But don't get it wrong and twisted and begin to think about the future and miss what the prophet is really saying. The prophet is saying, if you continue in this situation... Trying to be friends and fellowship with people that is not of like precious faith, eventually you will begin to serve idol gods. And so, what we do sometimes is we start worrying about idol gods, and we miss the point of the fellowship here is wrong. And this is what this is what we're what we're trying to understand tonight is that. Prophecy by the prophets are spoken mainly for the present. It will take in the future, but it's mainly for the present, and we can't overlook that. Because it's easy for us to begin to think about the future when we hear about things, when we hear about prophecy. The prophets were to be quite clear on where the nation's policies and practices were leading. And the most effective prophet were the ones who embodied God's point of view. There are some preachers that can be considered God's prophet or whatever. Can I tell you, you know, I share... Everything I can with you, I'm trying to be as transparent as I can. And I watch how preachers can develop almost like, a um, what can I say, what's the word am I looking for? They develop this kind of entertaining way of ministering to people. They 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 develop an entertaining way to minister to people, and I look at that sometimes, and I say, "Man, God, is it right to develop a entertaining way to minister to people? What what is that all about?" And I understand why some preachers will do that. Some preachers do that to get your attention. Because you don't pay attention. And so they do all kind of things to get your attention so you don't get sidetracked. That's why some preachers develop some kind of style, you know, to get your attention. So I understand it. But I still say within myself, with the Holy Ghost that's in me, but that still can't be what God is looking for. And while the preacher has good intention, and his desire to try to reach the people and minister to them, it can't be with an entertainment way of bringing it across, in my opinion. And so, in studying this lesson, it's teaching us that the preacher that embodies that word from God is the one that will get the word out to the people the way God wants him to or God wants her to. It's not about how I want the word to come out. It's how God wants the word to come out. And when God get the word inside of his prophet and it's time for that prophet to get it out, God wants it to come out the way God wants it to and not how our personality is trying to get the attention of people Hosea the prophet was one that embodied God's word when he received it when Israel's king made loyalty pacts with foreign kings for their protection Hosea responded dramatically the prophet Hosea started to see altars being erected on local hills in honor of the foreign kings and his ancestors. So, what happened, what will happen, what would happen back then is if Israel began to friend a nation that is ungodly, every time they do that, and we got to learn this every time Israel befriended a nation that was ungodly, that nation somehow. Influence Israel to start doing ungodly things. We got to learn from that. When we befriend others that are not of our faith, you can go on and think you got it under control. You hang with them long enough and they're going to cause you to start doing what they do. It used to be like that way back in the day. It started way back then. And so we want to think that, well, I'm full of the Holy Ghost. And we explain a lot of things. But you can't get around what's already been established. It's a done deal. If you try to keep friends and fellowship and try to work with people that are not like you, that are not trying to be like you, sooner or later, you're going to become like them. You're going to start doing what they do. And so, Hosea prophesied about that. He said... The prophets, he said he said that that the, 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 the altars started being built. Altars started being built when Israel started fellowshipping with foreign kings. Grooves of trees turned into natural sanctuaries dedicated to this false God that they claim will protect them. Anytime you start trying to do things, hear me now, this is important. I believe I'm getting ready to say something to the Holy Ghost. Anytime you are doing anything in your life, thinking that you have to do it for your protection, you are following false God. You are on the brink of of messing with demonic force. Because if you know who Jesus Christ is, if you know the power of almighty God, you don't need protection from nothing or nobody because everything is idols and none of them have power. God almighty is the only one with all power. So I don't need protection from nobody but almighty God. And say so Hosea is telling them how in the world are you going to false and foreign kings and and start to get with them and they tell you, we can protect you. We can protect your land. And you succumb to that because they're telling you, we'll protect your land. We'll protect you. And you succumb to that when you know the Almighty God is your protector. Almighty God is Israel's protector. To God... To go to a foreign king who had a God complex for protection was to forsake the true and living God. You can't go to anybody for protection. We don't go to nobody for protection. We go to Almighty God. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. God is our protector, and we don't need nothing else. Nobody else, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. We don't need nothing outside of God. All we need is Almighty God. We don't need nothing outside of Him. But because we won't try Him, because we won't submit and surrender to Him, we feel like we need help from other sources we don't need help from other sources Hosea embodied God so strongly when his word came to him that as we know Hosea went to the red light district of his hometown and took a prostitute and married her for for the purposes of visualizing what Israel had done by entering into covenant with a foreign king and his deities. Now, we have read the story of Hosea, how he went and married a prostitute, and we know God had his hand in it. God will choose Who he knows can handle what he wants them to handle. And we won't even understand it. Because still today, none of us, especially men, are saying, Man, I don't know how Hosea went to go marry a prostitute. Is he crazy? I couldn't marry no prostitute. But Hosea was so locked in with God uh, that he knows, uh, As long as God is with me, uh, as long as I know what I'm doing, God is with it. uh, I'm not worried about it. And Hosea went and took on a prostitute. Because he was so just consumed and embodied by the Word of God. When the Word of God came to Hosea, he ate it up. He, he, it, he was just consumed by it, so he just lived it out. And so when God told him, go take that woman, no big deal, God. I got it, because I'm bad man enough of God to go take on that prostitute and have her as wife and still get it right. Now, you heard me said earlier that we, we shouldn't go fellowship with people that's not like us. You only do something like that when God tell you. You you only do something like that. God was the one that told Hosea go take that woman. So when you do something off the wall, please make sure you heard clearly from the Lord. Don't go do something off the wall and say, I think I heard. You can't think. You got to hear from the Lord. Predictably, the prostitutes spent time with other men. And Hosea could not know for sure if she was or if he was the father of the children she bore. Such, listen to me, such was God's marriage to Israel. The shame Hosea bore over the relationship was equivalent to the shame Israel had brought to their God. God allowed Hosea to go take on that prostitute because he wanted to drive a point home of how the people of God was behaving. So he looked for a man that could handle that situation and said, my son, I got you. You're going to take her on as a wife. I got you. I got you covered. But I got to drive my point home to my people because they don't understand how they have treated me. And so I want you to go take that prostitute as wife and how your relationship is going to go with her, I want them to observe it so they can see how they've been doing me. Hosea Embodied the word. When God's word came into his heart, he took it. Grab a hold of it. Have you ever been convicted by God's word? How does the conviction of God's word you have experienced compared to what you imagine an Old Testament prophet felt like? So think about when they get convicted, the prophet. When when God's word came to them, how do they feel? And think about how you feel right now when God's word convicts you. I mentioned earlier that prophecy is trying to get us to respond to the now as opposed to the future. And unfortunately, we go to reverse. We hear prophecy and we forget about the, the present and try to think about the future. And that's not what God wants for us. God wants us to think about getting the present on track. And a lot of times the word of the Lord come to us and it convicts us and we don't do anything about it. When God's prophets receive the word of God, what it does to them, they have to do something about it. What's the difference between them and us? Flesh and bone like us. Red blood just like us. What's the difference? That when that word came and grabbed them, Let me tell you. I'll get to that right before I finish tonight. The preacher is not exempt from what the word does to him or her than it, what it does to you. Are you kidding me? We talking about God here. And so when you see the preacher stand before you and deliver the word. Sometimes the same way is handling you is handling that preacher. The same way is just messing with you. The same way is convicting you is the same way as convicting the preacher because God is no respecter of person, and there's only one God, and there is nobody else like Him. All of us are the same, but there is none like Him. So we all have to deal with that word when that word comes to us. The pages of the prophets are full of images. It's one of your words in your book. Of prophets relating to the word of the Lord in ways that may strike the modern era with almost absurd literalness. Here is what the prophets did when the Word came to them. And even some of the children of Israel that were not prophets. When the Word of God came to them, they ate the Word of God. They digested the Word of God. They wore the Word of God. I don't know if some of you know, they had these little boxes that came down in their head with scriptures inside of it. They wore the Word of God. They drift the Word of God. When the Word came to God's people the prophets and some of them took it serious. They did something with the Word. They didn't dismiss the Word. They didn't think about the future of the Word. They thought about the now and they were consumed by the Word. They ate it. They digested it. They wore it and they dreamt it. Once the Word came, their whole lives became the Word. You hear me quote it all the time and I'm going to keep quoting it until you get it. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And we jump down and it says, and the word became flesh. I preached this message to you maybe a couple years ago and the word became flesh. God is looking for his word to take on flesh, to, 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 to manifest. A word spoken is just the word spoken. But when you do something about it, when you obey the word, it now begins to show you the life of the word. Oh, somebody help me. The word has life. The word of God has life. But the way how you manifest that life is how you obey the word. And so when you hear the word of God and you obey it, now the word takes on the life now and begins to live out before you so you can see see it. Uh, Jesus Christ the Bible says in the beginning was the word uh, so the word came before the man uh, and so in the beginning was the word uh, and the word was God the word was with God and the word was God but then the word took on life so every time we hear the word we have an opportunity to make it live in our life but we hear the word And we just treat it like we read read reading the newspaper. Something wrong with this? I don't know, it sounded okay to me. It sounded okay to me. Right, tone, it was okay, right? Uh huh. So we can make the word take on the life that it really has when we obey it. When the prophets received the word, it, it, they obeyed it. They, they held on to it. They ate it. They digested it so much that it, it just became part of them. So the word began to, 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 to live through them. When are we gonna let the word of God live through us? We need to let the word of God live through us. The word of God, as we know, was like fire. And every stitch of their lives, the prophet lives, were used as kindling fire. And they lived out the word. Hosea lived out the word. When God told him to go and take on that prostitute, he went and embodied the word. His boys must have sat back and said, I don't know what kind of God you serving. Cause the God we serve and he ain't telling us to go take no prophet as no, no prostitute as no wife. So something, you, you went to the left, dude. Jeremiah is another prophet that embodied the word that, that, that the word became, it, it lived through him. No prophet paid a higher price for declaring the word of the Lord than Jeremiah. When Jeremiah prophesied, Kings and priests, some of your words, they scoffed at him. For them, Jeremiah was an unpatriotic clown, comical at best, dangerous to national morale at worst. His prophecies were continually antagonistic to the authorities. And when the kings had Jeremiah's written prophecy burned in a fire, the prophet was directed to turn his oracle wrath upon most sacred object in Judah, the temple. The sanctuary, Jeremiah said, was all but lost. God's glory had departed. The same was true of the holy city Jerusalem. The only hope for the people of Judah now was to cease trying to create a coalition with other nations against Babylon. So again, what happens is God's people are trying to join in with other ungodly people. And God is saying, I'm going to let them rule over you. We don't stop to think about, we think God is so good to us, he won't let the adversary rule over us and make us slaves. I'm here to tell you, God will do whatever he has to do to try to get you to come back the right way. And if that means that he's going to let you be entangled by your adversary in slavery, then that's what it's going to be. And so this said, if until they cease trying to make company with other nations that don't serve God, they're going to become, so, they're going to become slaves to them. They're going to, those nations are going to rule over them if they don't stop trying to be their friends. And so the word was, that they miss, stop being their friends right now. Because if you stop being their friends right now, I won't let them rule you. I won't let them control you. I won't let them be your slave master if you stop being their friends now. But if you keep being friends with the world, then I'm going to let them rule you and be your slave master. Prophecy is always telling us a now message that we always seem to overlook. We think we have some time because it's telling you something that's going to happen in the future. Why do you think people scoff at prophets like Jeremiah? They call Jeremiah the weeping prophet, doom and gloom. How does this compare to modern day individuals who scoff at the preacher of the gospel? Some people hear the preacher preach, and as long as he's preaching to make them feel good, they're good with him. As soon as he starts saying something they don't like, woo! The prophet's job, the people thought, was to uplift the people and to speak of the invincibility of God and the impregnable temple. A prophet worthy of the name should be speaking of God's defense of his city. God, they thought, would never allow Jerusalem, the seat of His habitation, to be taken into enemy's hand. So the people had a little arrogance, like some of us do, that are Christians. We thinking, well, God ain't gonna allow this. What do you know? What God is going to allow and what He's not going to allow? Because here is what God knows. God knows what has to happen in your life for you to turn around. You don't know it, but God know it. Because I don't, I don't think any of us in here knows our limit or know how far can we go before we say, All right, Lord, I surrender. All right, Lord, whatever you want me to do. We don't know what that point is, where we have to get to before we finally surrender to God. But God knows. So when things are starting to happen in our life and God's starting to squeeze us. Oh, he gonna squeeze until he get what he want out of the deal. And it's only because he's he loves you. And he's trying to do everything he can to save you. And some of us is rebellious and stubborn enough to keep on rejecting him. Jeremiah was as true prophet usually are you ready for this Jeremiah was like the true prophets usually are how are the true prophets the true prophets are out of step with popular movements the true prophets are usually out of step with popular movements So when God calls this prophet to prophesy, it's going to go against what everybody is enjoying. It's going to go against popular movements. We keep forgetting. Even now, you don't like to hear what I just said. We keep forgetting. My ways are not like your ways. My thoughts So why do we keep thinking somehow what we're doing? Listen, if you want to sincerely serve God, you need to say to yourself, most of what I do is the opposite of what God wants. If you're sincere about living for God, just tell yourself, most of what I'm doing is the total opposite of what God wants because His ways are not my ways. His thoughts are not my thoughts. So I'm always doing something that's opposite God. But we don't want to admit to that. But the bottom line is, if you want to go somewhere, that's humility. That's that, that that's how you humble yourself when you say, man, God is so just God and I'm just so who I am that the only way I'm going to get this right is to try to do everything that I like. That I Everything that I like, I need to stop doing and do the things that God says. Because most of the times, the things that God said to do, those are the things I struggle liking. The false prophets put their finger, listen to this, false prophet. The false prophets put their finger on the pulse of the people and call it theology. So a false prophet will hang around, see what's going on, talk to you a little bit, learn about it, and then preach to make you feel good. Uh-huh. And so many people are deciding, I'm going to go to that church because, why? Every Sunday you go, you leave feeling like, I'm good. That's scary. When every Sunday you leave and say you're good, as opposed to leaving every Sunday and saying, man, God, I got to get this thing together. Man, God, I need to do a little bit more of this, a little bit more of that. Most people say they leave their church. Man, church was good. Okay. If we really become truthful to God's word, when you leave out of here and everything went against you, that's when church was good. (laughs) We always say when we go down to because of the times, listen to this. When we go down to because of the times, every preacher that comes up after Vesta Mangan says, man, I thought I was doing all right. But after hearing her, I'm just a mess. I need to get my life fixed. And Vesta close to Jesus. So if we're saying that about Jesus, now think about Jesus. If we're saying that about Vesta, now think about Jesus. Because every year she preaches because of the time, we just walk away, tail between our legs like, 94, she's still going out witnessing. She's still praying, having prayer lines in the community. She's still passing out tracts. She's still doing this. What am I doing? She's 94. What am I? So when she get done ministering, we just all feel like, let's just have a prayer meeting. Because we, we we just not right. And we know that's a woman of God. And if she makes us feel like that, how much should we feel about God? That we're just not following him the way we need to follow him. But somehow we want to comfort ourselves and say, oh, I'm doing all right. In Jeremiah's days, false prophets were usually false in the sense that they filled God's silence Listen to this. They filled God's silence towards them with unwarranted optimism. Listen, it is a struggle sometimes as a preacher to come and deliver the message that God wants to deliver to his people because we are in the same category. You and I are the same. And so if you're hurting Guess what? I'm hurting, so I don't. I, I want something to sound good too. <laughs> and so it's tempted for most preachers to come and tell you about something that sounds good, because when he preaches something that sounds good, he feel good or she feel good. But when we got a preacher, God says that cut us. Everybody get cut, preacher included. <laughs> Jeremiah embodied God's word and Jeremiah came strong with it. At one point, Jeremiah decided not to speak anymore of the coming doom. He was going to live and let live to each his own. But then always in the worst places at the worst times, the word of the Lord came pouring out upon him. It came out in spasms of prophetic inspiration, curses, came raining down upon the wayward people he loved. <laughs> Jeremiah sometimes is trying to stay silent and not speak because he realized every time he opened his mouth, the fire of the word of God came out. Jeremiah once went to the, to, to the dull king wearing around his neck a large wooden yoke used to bind oxen together. The idea was that the image of the yoke would help the king visualize the gravity of the situation developing on the borders of Judah. The prophet must have been a sight walking through the narrow streets with a large crossbeam strapped and tied to his shoulders. Jerusalem stared wide eyed, wondering what asylum had unleashed Jeremiah. Incidentally, another figure. The word of God himself, Jesus Christ, some six centuries later, would walk through Jerusalem with the same kind of beam strapped to his shoulder. God was using Jeremiah to show us some truth that we didn't want. Uh Uh-huh. You will all come under the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, is what Jeremiah told him. Whom the Lord have appointed for this hour. Should you resist his yoke, you will die and your family will be taken as slave. So what happened was, again, they wanted to be friends with kings that did not serve the same God they served. Every time we try to become friends with people that are not serving the God that we serve, we will become their slave. <laughs> Do not listen to the lying prophets who try to medicate you with soothing dreams they had last night. So, false prophet will try to make you feel good. Uh huh. And so eventually a false prophet came and told the people what Jeremiah is saying is true, but it will only be for a couple of years. False prophet. Because that wasn't true. Huh. And so the prophet heart, Jeremiah, was broken because he decided, I'm not going to fight with the false prophet. I'm not going to say anything. But you know, Jeremiah, the prophet from Gibeon was confusing the act of prayer with the act of prophecy. So the false prophet, he came by and prayed what he desired and tried to pass it off as saying, this is God's word. Praying what you desire is not the same as proclaiming God's words. Uh-huh, so we got to be careful with that. And so we find out that the false prophet spoke falsely. Mm-hmm. I know a real prophet when I hear one. But later the word of the Lord came to the master prophet who knew the difference between desire and prophecy, who knew that con- con- comforting and idolatrous people was useless. So hear this. When we are caught up in our own business, doing our own thing, and 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 it's idolatry that we're doing. We, we don't like to say it's idolatry because every time we think about idolatry, we think about bowing before a statue. But idolatry come in many forms. And, and, and the number one form idolatry come in is us putting something before God or someone. When you put something or someone before God, idolatry. And so, when people are in idolatry, God will not speak comforting words through his prophet to them. So, here's something to think about. And it's time to close up here. Here's something to think about. And I've said this some a, a while back. And tonight is a good night to to say it again you can determine what kind of preaching comes to you always felt that back in the day i told people that all the time so what do you mean by that preacher if you stay lazy if you don't get involved with the work of the kingdom if you let things or people come before god when you come here on sundays god's going to tell you about it And you're going to get mad at me and say, he never preached anything to make me feel good. But it's not that. God knows your business. And God will never preach anything to make you feel good when you're not in a good place. Now get involved with serving in your community. Reaching out to the poor. Get involved with teaching Bible studies. Get involved. In prayer meeting. Having 24 hour prayer chain. Get involved with the work of the kingdom. And God will cause his prophet. To preach inspiring things. To you. To inspire you to keep doing it. Y'all ain't here tonight. Y'all check We wasting time. Because if we come to church and we are not engaged in the things of God before we get here, all God is going to speak to us is words that is going to really irritate you. And you're going to feel bad about it. You're going to feel like, eh, no sense of me showing up because you want to feel good. And you feel like if you show up, you're not going to feel good. See, you got all of that psychology just working around in your mind. It's easy to miss church because you feel like you haven't heard anything good to make you feel good. The problem is not that. Get to the root cause. The problem is what are you doing? And what you're doing is what God's going to talk about. And if you're doing what God wants, He is going to just get the fire burning hotter in your life. He's going to just move you even more and give you some 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 resources in the Word and, 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 and in the power of God. And you're going to be like, my goodness, I'm just doing some great things for God. And God is just fueling the fire, stoking the fire. You leave your everyday fired up because now you're ready to go do some more stuff because you're engaged in the work of God. But if you do nothing throughout the week and just come to church and says, all right, preacher, talk to me, God won't give you all that good stuff. He's going to agitate you, irritate you because he's trying to get you to get moving, get going. Jeremiah learned that when the word of the Lord was in him, he could not maintain silence. The question is not whether the word of God is, in, is inspired. We know God's word is, in, is inspired by God. The big question is, does the word of God inspires you? When the word of the Lord is delivered, it sounds unpleasant or uninspired. Do you assume that the word is true and your ear is off? Or do you seek to find better word, more attuned to your sensibility? So when the word of God comes to you, do you feel, when it irritated, do you feel like, well, that's the word of God and I need to respond? Or do you say, eh, something not right with that? Read the word. Listen to the word. And above all, read and listen with the utmost Humility. Listen, I'm finishing up here. Let me see. Jeremiah was caught between the people he loved and the God he obeyed. And as the distance between God and these people grew, the mighty act of trying to hold on to both tore Jeremiah asunder. So in a fit of rage, almost without parallel in the Bible, he accused, Jeremiah accused God of deceiving him and making him a laughing stock. The translation deceived might not be strong enough to convey Jeremiah's sense. Seduced might be closer to his meaning. The deception lay in Jeremiah's early expectation when God told the timid man he would be the as impregnable as a bronze wall a fortified city and an unmovable as iron an unmovable as iron pillar seems to have gone forth assuming a guaranteed of protection even a fierce and resilient dignity in this sense Jeremiah was seduced to take up the word of the Lord and go forth triumphantly but this notion dissipate after beating from the priests for sure a night spent in stock a realization that the only people who would benefit from his prophecies in the immediate present were the hated Babylonians what Jeremiah did not know this is very important to hear what Jeremiah did not know when he was first when he first started prophesying was that God man this stirred me so much you this When I went through this, this just killed me. What Jeremiah did not know when he first started prophesying was that God never allows his prophet to speak of other people's pain without feeling the pain first. Man, oh God, it just... God will never let a true prophet speak to you And talk about the pain you're experiencing and talk about what you're going through without that prophet first experiencing pain like that himself or herself. I know it for myself. I know it for myself, Patrice. The pain and the stuff you will go through before you can explain and teach and prophesy to other people is no joke. And that's something that a lot of people don't understand. You can't just think that you're going to minister God's word and you scot-free. You won't experience any hurt, any pain. You won't have to go through any struggles. No! You can't effectively minister to people if you don't feel the pain they felt. If you didn't go through some of the stuff they went through, God won't allow it. And you go back through scriptures and you'll see who God called to minister. He didn't call nobody where their life was all great. You had to go through something. And if you didn't go through anything when he called you, you was going to go through before he used you. The word of God was stronger than Jeremiah's will. That's how powerful the word of God is. Jeremiah died in obscurity, probably far away in Egypt. But his prophecies lingered. The fire once shut up in his bones, leapt from city to city, continent to continent, millennium to millennium. The names of his detractor, Joachim, Zedekiah, Pashor, Hananiah, have all but been forgotten. But 26 centuries later, we are still naming our sons after Jeremiah. It turns out that the fire of the word of God in him Both consumed and preserved. And so I finish where we started earlier. Second Timothy 3.16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And is profitable for doctrine. For reproof. For correction. For instruction in righteousness. The word inspiration mean. God inspired. God breathed. The breath of God. It was the breath of God that caused mankind to become a living soul. And so if the word of God came by God breathing the word. Think about that. Two things happen when God breathed. Man became a living soul. The word of God was created. Now how close should they be? Just as much As you need breath to live, they're the same, and we don't even understand it. Your breath and the word of God, same level. Just like you know, if I don't breathe this breath, I am dead. If I don't take in this word and obey it, I'm dead. They are the same. The breath you breathe and the word of God you obey, they're the same. You're dead without both of them. You live if you have both of them. If you only have one of them, you still are dead. Because you can't do nothing with the word of God if you're dead. Profitable for doctrine, beneficial, valuable, useful for teaching or communicating instructions. Reproof, convincing a man of his sins and the truth of Christ. For correction, it means properly a setting to the rights. Reparation, restoration, to write up. Again, to restore. And here it means the leading to a correction or amended life. A reformation. The meaning is that the scriptures are a powerful means of reformation or of putting men into the proper condition in regard to morals. After all, the means which have been employed to reform mankind, all the appeals which are made to them on the score of health, happiness, respectability, property, and long life. The Word of God is still the most powerful and the most effectual means of recovering those who have fallen into vice. No reformation can be permanent which is not based on the principles of the Word of God. We can't get it together without the Word of God, because the Word of God is just as important as the breath you breathe. It's no different. They both came from the same place, from the breath of God. we're trying to be alive and to live and the word of god does not possess us like breath possesses us for instructions in righteousness instruction in regard to the principle of justice or what it is right man need not only to be made acquainted with truth to be convinced of his error and to be reformed but he needs to be taught what is right Or what is required of him in order that he may lead a holy life. Got more of that stuff. More of that stuff. Bottom line. The word of God came by the inspiration of God. The question is, does the word of God inspire you? If so, what has it inspired you to do? The word of God and the breath you breathe is of the same importance. If you think you need oxygen in your lungs to live, the same thing you need or you need the same for the word of God in your heart, and your mind, and your soul. You can't live without oxygen. You can't live without the word of God. This is why the Bible can say to us that without God, we're dead man walking. If you don't have God in your life, you may be walking around. What we said years ago, you're a zombie. Without the word of God in your life, you're a zombie. You're just moving around, but you're dead as dead can be. Because you can't live without the word of God. You can't live without breath in your lungs. Same thing. Let's pray. Jesus. How excellent is your name? You're so amazing. You're so unsearchable. God, we can search All this world and outside of this world. And we will never know all about you. You are almighty God. And you are God all by yourself. God, I just want to know you in a more intimate way. And I want to fulfill your purpose. You know everything. You are just amazing, all-powerful. God, I want to be in your will. I want to be in the right position that you want me to be in. I want, Lord God, to experience the deep things of God. Because, Lord, the the surface things that you've already allowed me to know and understand, they are already amazing and incomprehensible. But, Lord... I know there's so much more and I want that more. Almighty God, will you lead me? Will you speak to me? Will you help me, Lord God, to go deeper, to to know you more intimately? Oh God, to take this Word and handle it the way I handle the breath that I breathe every day, Lord God, and not separate the breath that I breathe from the Word of God. I need the Word just like I need to breathe. And Lord, I can't make it without your Word. Let the Word of God go in my inward part and take root and become a part of me. I will eat the Word of God. I will digest the Word of God. I, Lord God, will wear the Word of God, dream the Word of God, live the Word of God, and oh my God, keep handling the Word of God. Will you help us tonight, Lord God, to understand, oh God, the importance of your Word. Lord, move on your people tonight. Etiboko shika alaba. God stir us, move us. That, Lord, we just can't even stay still, Lord God. we got to move because your power is moving us, Lord God. We can't stay, Lord God, complacent, Lord God. Something has to happen, Lord. We need something to happen, Lord God, because there's so much more that is happening in the realm of the Spirit that we want to experience. God, we are your people that are called by your name. We are your church, Lord God. We are your body, Lord God. You set us, Lord God, together. And Lord, it is you, oh God, that we want to be magnified and glorified in our works, in our actions, Lord. Oh God, hear us tonight, Lord Jesus. Hear us tonight, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name amen god bless you thank you for